All right, guys, welcome everyone to this uh, special edition podcast here on the Inside Dirt Network. Um, this was supposed to be the opening uh, podcast of the season for the MX Store MX Nationals. We were going to do MX2 and MXD this week. It's going to be our first live streamed studio show. Uh, it was going to be really cool. We were really looking forward to it. Um, next week, we we're going to do MX1 leading into the series opener at Horsham. Now, uh, obviously, that's all changed a lot since um, you know the initial announcements went out last week about the postponement of the opening rounds, uh, one and two, and it's obviously escalated from there, and we are obviously talking about the in the COVID-19, the coronavirus outbreak, and uh, what that has meant for the sport of motocross, and, and honestly the nation as a whole between, uh, you know, the economic standpoint and, and basically getting to where we're at today, um, which is obviously Monday, uh, the 23rd of March, and, and, you know, the landscape of the country really starting to change, and, and things visually starting to head towards the lockdown that we're in. But um, with that being said, you know, we really want to keep some content coming your way. So we decided to um, get on the phone. I've got two phone guests that I'll introduce in just a second that are some of the more prominent business figures and uh, organized, um, you know, different parties within the sport of motocross within Australia and, and on an international level. So we're going to introduce those guys in just a second. And uh, they're going to give us some insight on, on what this hiatus for, not just the sport in general within Australia, but I guess from a, a business side, economic standpoint, there's probably a lot we're going to cover in this pod, but obviously we can't go into crazy detail because it is very early days and we don't also know where things are going to go entirely. So um, with that being said, uh, you know, we haven't been putting out a heat of content so far this year. I hope you guys enjoyed the AORC stuff that we put out last month and, and we were leading into a big season obviously with event coverage and starting to get that moving with the MX Nationals that was meant to be starting pretty soon, but like we said, obviously that's been delayed. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. So thanks again uh, for tuning in. This is uh, a special edition MX Store MX Nationals podcast here on the Inside Dirt Network. And um, with that being said, I'm going to turn these volumes up real here, and uh, we're going to get our phone guests introduced. And um, we'll start off with the, uh, the main man himself at Williams Event Management WEM. That is the promoter of the MX Nationals, um, Kevin Williams. Thanks for coming on, Kevy. No problems, Joe. Thanks for having me. All good, mate. And um, we've also got the team owner of um, the Penrite Honda factory racing squad between uh, Australian motocross and supercross and now AMA supercross as well. He's added that to his uh, resume. Um, Yuri Konsky, thanks for coming on, Yuri. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you, Joe. Um, all right, guys. So like we said, you know, we've got a – obviously, we've got a situation here <laughs> um, where things have changed globally. The, you know the the landscape of sport itself has changed and and um you know our little bubble of australian motocross as a whole is no different to you know the biggest sports in in the nation and in the world so um kevy i guess you know let's start off with you here um probably just some some clarity as far as as initially you know when the press releases went out and there was the postponement of the opening rounds there was backlash definitely wasn't what i call it i think people were a lot more understanding than than really i thought they would be um but there was still the comments of you know why can't we run a motocross race they're running the footy or you know it's just dirt bikes we're not in a confined area or there was that many different um you know that many different comments on, on why it could happen and then also there's that many different stakeholders and organizing bodies promoters teams within the sport so on your end these last couple of weeks what what has the landscape been and what what does your day-to-day look like um 
day to day looks like uh, reading a lot of emails, um, following the uh, the government advice, a lot of communication with Motorcycle Australia. I must say straight up that uh, Peter Doyle and and the crew at MA have been uh, have been really at forefront in talking to me about where we're at. Um, you know, uh, been talking with a couple of the team owners. Um, you know, the guests you read, you know, I've had a lot of the chats. You know, we're both privy to getting some information from the FIM and, and the AMA and seeing what's happening on a global scale. But to, to answer the first bit, look, you know, I knew people were going to be disappointed. Um, we're absolutely disappointed, shattered, in fact. Um, it's been a way of life for all of us for a long, long time. Having said that, you know, we will come out the other side of this. There'll still be a sport. What does that look like right now? Crystal balls absolutely shattered at the moment. I can't tell you what that looks like. But, you know, I've seen some pretty hard times, nothing like what we're experiencing right now over my 23 years. So I know that we'll come out the other side. It's a lifestyle choice that, that, we, that we make to be involved in this sport. Uh, and there will be some people across that period that won't continue in the sport. But you know what? I'm sure that they'll continue to have motorcycles of some format in their life. The things that we had to look at that people probably wouldn't consider. You know, you, you look at a horseman for round one and everyone's like, yeah, we don't get 500 people. Well, you know, with four classes, even with even with not four grids, 30 riders per, per class is 120 riders. Three people with each of those, now you're sitting around 400, 420 plus three with each of them, you're now at 480 people. Then you're going to have, you know, 60 people from the club. We alone had 23 staff. Then medical. So to get to 600 people was instant. So you know that's that was already 100 over what the government said you could have. And that was before it dropped to 100, and now where we're at currently, right? Yeah, yeah. So so it's it's still outdoor gatherings. It's still at 500 at the moment. So nationally outdoor gatherings. However, the issues for for us that we faced, Joe, was as this um, situation evolves. Medical services, ambulances and all that, they're not taking bookings because from non-essential events. So, you know, we're certainly in the non-essential business category at the moment. We're a sport, we're a recreational activity. So hiring an ambulance from Ambulance Victoria, you just couldn't do it at the moment. You've also got, we're hearing constantly about, you know, the, the, the concerns if people continue to go out and about and, and not follow the advice and, and they get a pandemic at the hospitals, you know, can you get access to a hospital? So for me, when I look at it, I go, can I get an ambulance? I've got an ambulance. Is there going to be a hospital bed? We experienced a very difficult situation at Moree last year. You know, we'd notified the hospital. We had ambulances at the track. We had medical services at the track. There was another event on um, down the road that hadn't notified the hospital, sent quite a few people there. Within in the space of three hours, the hospital had no capacity to deal with us. We had to stop the event. With respect to coronavirus, COVID nineteen, you know, everyone's sitting and watching. So that was one of the one of the concerns we had. Then, uh, you know, we were looking at hopefully, okay, maybe we can get going at Newry. You know, um, we considered, we spoke to the council. What if we cap it at five hundred? What if we say teams and riders can only bring one extra person? What does that model look like? then for more and more information become uh, available. So you look now, you can't even go to Newry and take the sport there if we're going to run under 500 people because no, there's nowhere to go and have for tea. There's nowhere to go and eat. You know, there's so many other factors that we've been 
in chats with the whole time, you know, one and a half metre clearance. So, yeah, we could set the, the rider paddock up and have the pits in one area and keep the public out of the pits. There's factors that we can do. To run the race meeting logistically, we could make that happen. But there's a hundred other factors around that. You know, you, you look at um, Yareev, for instance, with his team. Medi's got to come from interstate right now. Now, we didn't know this a few weeks ago, but right now, Medi can't cross the border. So there's so many other factors that are coming into us. But when we made the decision, we have been privy to other information that hadn't been released by the government via EMA getting notifications of stuff that is embargoed and you can't talk about, but in looking at your planning. So at the moment, they're all saying the 14th of April is it, but they're going to review that again in a few weeks' time to see, you know, whether mass gatherings. Mass gatherings are not going to get changed inside the short period. You look at the AFL now are hoping to be back at the end of May. You know, I think VH, you will probably correct me if I'm wrong, but I think sort of June. We're still looking at June. Fingers crossed we can get underway at June. But where we sit right now, it's unknown. We had planned to announce our revised calendar this Wednesday. That's not going to happen because... All we're going to do is release a lot of dates that, we, that we're just guessing on. So our best-case scenario is that we can get underway with Conondale at the very end of June, 28th of June, I think it is, so it's almost into July. Hopefully we can get away with that. We'll restack in. We have the opportunity, and we've met with Motorcycle in Australia, to push the calendar out into September. If that means that we don't start until July and we've got to put Conondale, it is our best efforts um, we're absolutely going to use our best endeavours with our partners to continue with this championship, deliver a championship of nine rounds over the six venues that we've got listed across Australia um, between, you know, the end of June and the end of September. That's our best intentions. We're 100% planned to do that, uh, although there's a lot of things that we've still got to be, uh, you know, we've still got hurdles we've got to cross. Yeah, I think, um, like I said, with that question, is more, you know, you guys have obviously in, in promoting a national event, you know, dealing with the governing bodies, you're probably privy to a lot of information that the general public is not. And, and if we're honest, I think today is probably the first day the general public, I know just from, from my feelings of being uh, on, on a day-to-day basis, today has probably felt like the really the first day that, that life as we know, it's kind of starting to change a little bit. And um, obviously that had been probably orchestrated a little while ago from the powers that be and it's trickling down now to to the everyday citizen but um i think when the initial announcements were made a few weeks ago um when we put that out kev it was you know obviously a little early but with with the understanding that this is where it was probably heading at this point it was the right decision yeah look you know at the time we made that decision you know, we didn't know pubs and clubs were going to be shut down, you know, um, at lunchtime today. But we did have good, strong indication that if people weren't adhering to, you know, the the spacing policies and, and, you know, the gatherings policy and all that, they were going to get much, much tougher on it. You know, you look at, you know, what's coming out of Italy and the rest of the world, you know, we, were, we, we had to tighten up. Um, you know, and, you know, we had to be a part of it. Now, we, we were given some insights into the possibilities of where this was heading. Um, so we started making judgments based on, you know, not the worst-case scenario, but certainly not the best-case scenario because it was an unlikely situation to achieve. Yeah, no, 100%. And um, you will probably segue uh, to yourself now and... Um 
you know, for for you, I can't even imagine right now the the um, not only the logistical nightmare this has been, but from a, a business and and just a stressful time. You know, you've got your ventures obviously in Australian motocross and supercross. You have your um, AMA Supercross campaign going on over there now with Luke Clout um, and Mitchell Oldenburg in in the states, and obviously you're you're also pretty involved in the V8 Supercross scene with some marketing and different avenues. Um, your entire world, so to speak, is going to have pretty much ground to a halt. Yeah, we are. We're in. Um, we're definitely in uncharted territory. I think we all are. I think uh, it's a super complicated time in in, in sport and entertainment. It's uh, it's going to be economically challenging for all of us, and we definitely need to to work together to try and come through on the other side. But we're definitely not in it alone. I think sport in general has had a, a shock sent through it, and yeah, we just need to be agile at the moment and super flexible, and that includes all racing teams, riders, privateers, sponsors, the industry. We we need to be extremely flexible, and when the opportunity arises, we really need to, to come together as one to make sure that we come through because we are in uncharted territory. And everything that Kevin just said, I, I appreciate and understand, and we have been in communication for the past four weeks, I mean, it sent shockwaves, I think, globally when Formula One was cancelled on the weekend where everyone was actually present. So it is a serious situation we are all facing. And, I mean, what happened at Bondi Beach highlighted how our youth aren't taking it seriously. And that's alarming because the sooner we work together to get through this, the sooner we can get back to what our normal will become. Yeah, I think, um, you know, you look at the Bondi thing and some other, you know, examples they've had in the media. And I think it's tough to do this podcast without somewhat falling into that media coverage category, which I wouldn't say I've been the biggest fan of, of some of the way the media has handled this and, you know, attacking the politicians and just sensationalizing everything like they do. But I think you look at the last three or four weeks of media coverage leading to now and, and you can kind of see, at this point, I mean, I think I read the term today that if, if Australia doesn't listen to the new terms that, you know, they're going to introduce more draconian measures was the term they used to really keep the public at home and, and try to subdue this spread of the virus. Um, I mean, I guess talking about motorsports and sports in general is a little bit trivial when you're looking at the entire health of the nation. But, um, but yeah. that's what we're here for, Joe. I, I heard I mean, a we, we, today um, from somebody who was um, in, in America and it was basically that, you know, we all, you know, in, in the world wars we sent everybody, um, the men and everybody went off to, to fight the war um, and we all sat at home. The war uh, on COVID-19 is at our home and we're all on the front line and, you know, I, I just encourage everybody to, to take it seriously because... You know, whilst we can walk around and we can feel good about it, you know, um, and I've spoken to, to, to my, my children this last couple of days, is that you don't know whether you carry it to somebody who carries it to the to their grandmother. You know, it's if we all buckle down and take some pain now, I think we'll get to the other side more quickly, more efficiently and in a better standing. Um, and everybody's got to take that. Having said that, you know, we still have to live a life. And I, you know, I was... 
generally warmed to see that, you know, there was a number of, from a motorcycle point of view, a number of people respectively went to ride parks, they practised social distancing, they did all of those kind of things. You know, I know there was one up in New South Wales, that island, they shut it down once they had 300 riders because they were getting close to 500 with the, with, with the people that were with them. So, you know, if we all follow the protocols and we all do it correctly, we will still be able to have a form of our sport in a participation level. Uh, we'll still be able to have a, a quality of life, all it be, all be different, uh, but we can still move forward. And people, that's just, you know, people just got to look at it. It's not about motocross. It's not about football. It's about um, protection um, and we are, each and every one of us are on the front line today. It's a good way to look at it. Um, and, you know, speaking of that, like you, Eve, I saw you out at the track yesterday. I've actually been bumping into you a lot lately. I saw you out in, uh, in Frankston at a, a cafe, I think the start of last week as well. And, um, look, you're obviously, you're a very passionate guy about the sport you're even, and, and just, I've known you long enough now, like the look on your face when I saw you last week when, when, when we were getting breakfast and then I saw you at the track yesterday I mean, clearly there's an awful lot going on for you right now, and we don't have to get into crazy detail, but I guess you, you might have had a little bit of a head start on what was coming with the cancellation of, I believe it was the Indianapolis Supercross in the States. Was that right? Um, I think it, it was Indy or Seattle, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, the, the, what what confronted me was Formula One. I mean, it's a, a $100, $200 million investment from our state government, and the teams were present, and we were... I'd say 10 or 15 minutes from being out for qualifying on Friday morning. And I had scheduled a meeting before the event to talk to some car manufacturers. And I'm sitting there and I'm just constantly looking at the news. And I'd been up looking at it all night. I actually had a very terrible sleep that evening with concern because we had over 200 corporate partners coming that particular weekend in suites. And we were getting misinformation throughout the whole weekend. Thursday, we were told it was definitely going ahead. Even Friday morning, we were told it was definitely going ahead. And 15 minutes before we were going out on track, I mean, the team was there. Data data analysis guys were there. The car was being started up. We were ready to go out. And then it was called. And, you know, the, the awareness that came from that was extremely real and um, very confronting. And that's when I realized that, that my world was going to change because if they can shut down Formula One, then with all respects, as in terms of considering humanity, they were going to shut down other sports and protect humanity. And that's the reality that we face. I don't think it's all doom and gloom. I think we need to work together and we will ride motorbikes again or race motorbikes again. I don't think anyone in their right mind can suggest when that will exactly happen and we can only plan for it and we do need to be flexible and ready. But in terms of being confronted with some realities, if Formula One can be shut down in your own backyard when everyone's present on the track, um, anything can be shut down. And I think Kevin made a wise decision post that to postpone Horsham. Again, it was an economic decision as well to take into consideration everyone that would have a booked accommodation, arranged holidays, um, restructured their work to be able to do that event, and Kevin gave us all enough warning to postpone that. 
And whilst the, you know, again, people will always have an opinion and some people will choose to have a negative one and some people will choose to have a positive one. And regardless, as Kevin said, whether he cancelled 500 spectators or, sorry, cancelled spectators from entering the venue, the teams alone to, to make an event sustainable from marshals to clubs to people watering, there's over 500 people there. I mean, that's half the reason uh, regions take us in because it's such a great economic impact to the local community. But in this case, we wouldn't be able to adhere to the rules. So Kevin didn't make a premature decision there. I think he, he was very, very accurate with the decision he made there. And again, the same applies to Newry. I just hope we can get on the track sooner than later. Now, I think with uh, that being said, obviously that getting on the front foot from WEM and and really getting that out there early enough that there is a limited, you know, um, effect financially on the teams, the privateers, everybody in between. Um, maybe the, the one upside that we have here, and, and I think I'll, you know, Uribe, you can speak on this first, Kev goes second, but, you know, I know uh, some of my personal uh, business connections. Um, you know, I have a friend of mine that he, he runs a, an events group, um, you know, that currently they own Sexpo, the, the, one of the biggest events uh, that they've ever run was scheduled to go ahead, I think, next weekend or something in Sydney. Literally, I hey, think... Hey, Joe, yeah. Joe, just, just quickly, you're bringing up Sexpo and you're going to me first. Is that because I'm not married? <laughs> well, I guess that's why we'll segue into you first, but you brought it up. <laughs> um, so, so you already purchased your ticket, you read? Yeah, I heard he had a VIP uh, pass, right? <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it's, I, had it's to, I had to create some humor amongst all of this. Nah, it, was get, it was getting pretty serious. I'm glad we could lighten it up. But I mean, I, I'm not speaking on specifics, but I know from, from my understanding, like those guys that, you know, they paid for just about everything. Um, and then obviously the, the vendor and ticket value that's gone, there's no event running Her, horrendous financial implications for anyone, not just not just those guys, but anyone that's running an event at this point, but for, for you guys specifically, you know, and this is where I want to get the different dynamics in the stakeholders of the sport between, you know, you read, you've got the team, your sponsors, paying your riders, everything in between Kevin, you've got series and, and what that looks like. So is it maybe, and I might be naive in saying this, but the fact that we was able to postpone this early enough that maybe, not too many funds had been allocated to this part of the season that we can reshuffle and regroup later on and that's achievable. Whereas had we have done it like Formula One when it was at the last hour at that point, you know, there's a lot of different stakeholders in the event that are going to be struggling to redistribute funds later on. Oh, look, I'd hate to be in Formula One right now. They're extremely economically challenged. I mean, commercially, they're not adhering to their contract they're not going to be able to run 22 races this year. Now, we face the same thing in supercars, and I'm not oblivious to the reality that we could be facing that in motocross and supercross. I am comfortable with the knowledge that so long as we're flexible, if necessary, as long as we work together, we could race nine weeks in a row. And that's the type of flexibility we need from privateers and factory teams and satellite teams is the flexibility to work within the constraints that have been placed upon us that were unforeseen. And I think we will work together to ensure that there is a championship. We all hope that it's nine rounds. If it's less, we need to understand. And again, 
work within the parameters that, that we have in front of us because this is unparalleled and, um, and, and do our best. Uh, but what Kevin did was extremely wise and um, you know, it was courteous to everyone involved. And, you know, it was efficient. We talk about the logistics of a race team. Had Kevin not informed us regarding Horsham or Newry or the first four rounds, we would have all booked accommodation. Some of us pay for it up front, uh, particularly most of the factory teams I know as a business pay for it up front. We would have paid for flights. Um, we would have gone and done additional testing at certain venues. So we would have spent a lot of money, money that we, we couldn't get back. By being informed early enough, we've been able to save that. And we've obviously budgeted to go racing nine races. Resource-wise, it will be difficult to do nine weeks in a row, but we will work to achieve whatever is put in front of us for the betterment of the sport. But I'm going to stop for a moment there, and it's not the doom and gloom, um, Joe. And I think Kevin will back me up. What we face is much greater than getting nine rounds of motocross on. We've all got staff we need to consider right now. Kevin's in the same situation. And Kevin has no events to operate or run. We've got no events to compete in. So we're all working closely together to ensure we maximise what we achieve in the interim while we work through this. But let's put that aside and let's consider... humanity as a whole, the amount of people today that were made redundant or laid off is scary. So right now what we're talking about is important to us and it is trivial and we are extremely passionate. I'm very passionate and I want the industry to come together more so than ever before to create a plan in unison and I know Kevin wants the same but the truth is All I can suggest is we're working forward. Our team is currently working on bikes. We're getting rid of some of last year's bikes. We're being proactive. And the positiveness within our team is quite high because we are reassessing how we do business. We're reprioritizing. It's giving us time to work on the business. And I I hope, Kevin, you can agree with me that you and I, uh, whilst we may have butted heads over the years, we share the same passion and goals, and we've never been able to take a moment's rest to look at how we can really improve things. Whilst we take a moment, we don't take moments because our calendar, unlike most other sports, starts in January, generally ends in December. When you're not winning, you're working harder to win. When you're winning, you're working harder to stay in front. You seldomly get a moment's rest to take a step back, assess, and improve the whole business. So I'm looking at this as a positive opportunity for our company to really figure out the best way to move forward, potentially be more efficient, provide greater returns, look at different ways of providing greater returns to our sponsors other than just being on the racetrack. And I think we'll come out of it stronger because of that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I totally agree with that. I, I heard Jeff Kennett on the news tonight, president of the, the Hawthorne Football Club, say out of adversity comes opportunity. As tough as this is going to be, 
you know, when the times are good, we all we all probably put a little bit too much fat into the program, and we maybe not uh, we can overlook how we're resourcing ourselves. So I, I agree with you, Reeve. It's an opportunity to analyse, look at, develop, understand, and I think one of the things that the teams certainly. Uh, the promoters, and, uh, and I speak of myself and even other promoters will need to, and privateers, what this has shown us is we have to ensure that our sport and the business model of our sport has more substance to it than the results in the racing on Sunday. So for us to be able to look at this and look at our social medias and look at our digital content, our fans are still going to be fans. They're going to be fans no matter what. So, you know, if we need to be delivering more video content to provide for their passion for the sport when we're not racing, it'll just give us a, you know, we've all got to look at other reasons. As you already said, you've got to find more ways to give more bang back to your sponsors. I think if we look at this positively, when we come out the other side, we'll have created a whole lot of opportunity that will be able to be sustainable, affordable for the long term and for the betterment of the sport. I totally agree, Kevin. And the one asset we have digitally is we have a global reach through social media. We can talk to people daily. We didn't have that back in the day. Kevin, I, if this happened in the day when there was no social media, some sports would die, period. There would be no form of communication. We wouldn't have the ability to interact and engage with our fans and therefore, the sport would find it extremely difficult to recover. Right now, financially, we don't know what restraints we will have moving forward as businesses as a whole. We don't know commercially where we sit. But what we do have control of is our ability to engage with people daily. And we have a responsibility. That's the privateers who have a decent following and the factory riders who have a great following is to communicate to all other riders, young and old, and positive affirmation, reminding people that they can get out there, that they can be active, explaining to them, helping them, encouraging them, because this is going to be a difficult time, and we have the tools to not only lift people up, but promote our sport to another level. And I, and I truly believe that if we take that approach, we can actually come out stronger with a greater following than we currently have now because more people are now going to be tuning in to digitally and we just need to continue through frequency consistency excuse the buzzword <laughs> information as often as we can to the public and i think if we can do that when we come out whilst there will be effects that we we that it will be unforeseen we are unsure of one thing I can be sure of is we will come out with a greater following. Yeah, I think the world is definitely, you can see in the last week, especially, you know, with, with our industry, a lot of the, the leaders in, you know, the brands or, or, or the, the figureheads within the sport, as far as the competitors are obviously based in the States. And, and this lockdown's happened sooner for those guys. And, and, you know, you just go on Instagram and it really is entertainment central. Everyone's really embracing the fact that they're on lockdown, they're pr producing content that's unique, engaging with their audiences. It's really cool to see. Um, you kind of beat me to the punch a little bit, Uri, but I think we could elaborate on this a little bit more between, um, you know, yourself and Kevin. But, uh, you know, you've got, you know, writers that, 
you know, you employ. You have riders that are on your factory race team here in Australia. There's privateers. There's guys that, uh, you know, are getting hooked up with bikes and product and, and some contingency. There's guys that are literally just working to race uh, and everything in between that are funded by their families, the MXD kids and the under-19s class. There's a broad spectrum of different riders. But um, I think probably a lot of people are feeling unsure about what what do I do now because it was it was getting close to going racing. And, and like you said earlier, Kevin, I think, and, and you've you said it, but the sport does need to progress a little bit further than that that stereotypical what wins on Sunday sells on Monday. That's your job is just to go racing. And, and content is one thing. It's a, it's a very varied platform to say, oh, just put out content. You know, everyone's got to be I, themselves. But what, what advice would you give to the riders to say, well, right now you can't race. There is no organized events. I mean, this could go as deep as you guys want to go with, you know, some riders are on a yearly salary. Some riders get paid round to round. Like it's a, it's a big rabbit hole to go down. But what do you guys suggest that the riders do at this point? The thing, the thing for me is they've got to be looking, you know, and I look at what the American guys are posting and it's, it's and you read, if, if, you, if I'm on the wrong track, let me know. But I think the narrative of everybody has got to be about the sport. We've got a great sport that's very family orientated. We can deliver a community message to a lot of young people who look up to our riders, who you know, uh, very passionate about what we do. We've we've got a we, we the narrative that we can send out can be a very strong, positive, family, community orientated narrative. For the riders and the individuals, continue with your training program. Use this opportunity. I can say this, and Yuri will probably laugh, and you will too, Joe. I can tell you every single year I've gone to the MX Nationals for 23 years I've used to be the commentator I've interviewed riders and every week they say we're getting better we're getting better we're getting there the bikes the bikes improving well guys you've now got six maybe 10 weeks up your sleeve keep training be more ready for round one you've got more time use it to your advantage to improve your skills to improve your bike preparation to improve yourself so when you get to round one you're actually ready because I can tell you over the years there hasn't been a rider that hasn't been interviewed that says we're getting better this week. We, we know what we're going to do next week. You've got some time. Use it positively. Totally agree, 100%. Yeah, I think – and you you hear that often at round one and I've been thinking about this from from just, a, you know, event coverage and, and just trying to get excited because we know eventually that racing, fingers crossed, it's going to get going again. And when it, it does, you, know, you don't need to cross your fingers. It will. No, I know, but you know what I'm saying. Like it's 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 yep. going to get there, and and I'm excited as much as anybody. I'm the biggest one of the biggest fans there is of the sport. That's why I work in the industry. But um, it's one of those deals where you you know the hype at round one had it have been in April uh, next weekend, I believe it was, um, or the weekend after. Anyway, you know the hype is already real enough. Like there's a lot of guys that probably aren't quite ready, especially on the privateer standpoint. Deals get done quite late in this sport it's just the nature of the industry i'm sure you review wish it wasn't sometimes i kind of wish the same but it's one of those things where round one it always seems pretty rushed and then it's kind of the same rollover into supercross it feels pretty rushed from a rider and a team perspective when whenever i'm working with brands or teams or individual riders it's it's always a rush but definitely isn't going to be a rush this time for the start of of the mx nationals so there's going to be no excuse at this point i think a lot of riders are going to come out swinging that they're going to be ready after this lockdown, I mean, you know what motocross guys like. They're going to be bouncing off the walls at this point. So we, the, do we want to have a wager that before the, the third round, somebody will say that, you know, they're still working on it? 
I'm sure they'll be saying that. <laughs> it's got to be the longest off-season in history, hasn't it? I mean, we finished cool, and when was that? Um, August last year. August last year, and we're going to start nearly – geez, that would be nearly a calendar the calendar year nearly. Yeah, well, it's going to be it's going to be a good uh, a good uh, nine months basically. But uh, look, I, I, mean, I think I think same. it's important that you know our athletes and our, our ambassadors. Um, we have to continue to feel positive. We, you know, most of the young ambassadors that we've got and athletes that we've got and people that work in the sport, their passion is what drives them. It's what makes them characters. It's what attracts people to them. We need to dig into that. We need to stay positive and we need to take a community focus in, you know, if you see people that aren't necessarily working to to the best standards that the government are asking us to with social distancing and partying and all that, let's be positive. Let's talk about and share the message that they want us to because the, the quicker everybody complies, the quicker we'll be back to racing. I also want to add to that to that that's one important element that we, we do adhere and respect the regulations and it's the only way we're going to beat it. But I do want, I do want to mention, and, I, and uh, Joe, I want to take the opportunity and I appreciate you giving us a voice, but whether we know someone that's going to be infected by coronavirus, I, I don't know. We will. Somewhere along the line, we will. But more so, we are going to know people that are affected by the coronavirus. And this is going to, and you'll appreciate this, Kevin. I mean, we're both, you know, we've got parents. I worry about my dad during this time. I really worry about my dad during this time. Um, um, those of you who know my dad, I wouldn't suggest that he's been the healthiest person with his diet at times. He's obviously in that age bracket where there are concerns and I'm constantly worrying about him. But I'm worrying about the kids. Life as they know it for the next month or two months will change. Uh, they won't be at school. Socially, they will be distancing themselves. Make sure that you ask the people that you're around if they're okay. It's our responsibility to do that. People who are used to riding. I know as a kid growing up, riding was a source of freedom for me with things that were going on in my childhood. The one thing I, I looked for and probably why I love this sport so much was putting a helmet on and immersing myself in what I was doing, getting in the zone and riding the bike down at Frankston Wells Road. Without that, I don't know where I would be personally. There are going to be a lot of people like that, and we need to be there for them. It is our responsibility, and everyone out there, please make sure during this time that we ask people if they're okay. And for those that are struggling, please reach out and let us know that you're not okay because one thing I know, and I'm, uh, it's probably why I'm so passionate in, in all sincerity about the sport, regardless of some of the blows it's dealt me, is that the community of, of motorcyclists has so much heart and soul that when we go through something, it just shows how strong we really are as one. So... I do want to take the opportunity to take advantage of the voice you're giving us, Joel, to say that we do need to be there for one another through this because it is going to be difficult, it is complex, it is uncharted, and um, don't think that I am not going to struggle through this personally. I want everyone to understand that this has smacked me straight in the face, but 
I'm thankful that I've got some great people and a great team and some great sponsors because without them, I wouldn't want to be dealing with this on my own. So again, if you are struggling, please reach out and talk to us and one another and your friends. I mean, it's really important. We are going to know someone that's been made redundant. We may have a, a lockdown where we can't go to the local motocross track for a couple of weeks. During that period, people are going to go a little crazy and we need to try and create as much normalcy as um, you know as possible. Hundred percent. It's uh, it's one of those things where, like I said, you look at, at everyday life, and I, I don't want this podcast to be all doom and gloom. We're trying to keep it somewhat lighthearted and upbeat, but yeah, it's you know, I went to the office today. I grabbed grabbed the computer, grabbed the podcast gear. You know, I've set up back at home now. I'm kind of on a on a semi lockdown myself. Like I'll do the media work I can from home. Um, but it's scary times, man. Like I got a, I got a toddler who's nearly two. Like we got another baby on the way. Like it's, it's definitely not the time for an economic slowdown for anybody. Um, and everybody's individual cases are different, but yeah, most people, I know being at the track yesterday, um, I was just doing some coaching, but it was just, it was good to be out there. You're even, and obviously you got to ride. Mate, the, 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 the buzz was there. The vibe was there. And I'll tell you now, just talking openly amongst two people who I really respect. I have a lot of respect for Kevin. Being a promoter myself and knowing the complexities and difficulties of running events in, in this particularly a country with a small population, I respect what he does. But being able to talk the way we are, it's encouraging and people should be encouraged to hear that Kevin Williams wants to make the sport work. We need to be flexible. We need to support one another. And it's a great opportunity that you're giving us, Joe, to talk openly, which we don't do enough, but this is great. No, I, you know, this is probably something you, you brought up already. You guys have butted heads over the years, but one thing you can say about Moto is that, you know, when the chips are down, when when things get hard, some of the the fiercest rivals on the track, or or team rivals, or, or different, you know, there's that many different stakeholders in the sport, and and it does cause friction at times, and and you guys haven't been immune to that. But to see us all, you know, we're not sitting here saying kumbaya by any means, but we're all sitting here trying to make things better. Um, I think that's a, a good example of where, where the industry and, and the sport is at as far as people coming together in a hard time, right? Yeah, I, I, Sorry, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. You know, mm. the, the uh, humanity is number one. Um, health, family, uh, they're, all, they're all unequal to me. Um, the sport's something I'm passionate about because it's the lifestyle that we've chose to live and we love to live. And I think, you know, I, I couldn't... Uh, I couldn't say well done enough to you, Reeve. I think it's such an important time. People, uh, you know, demons of all kinds will come out in this period. So let's make sure that we're, you know, pick up the phone and ring you, mate. Just don't wonder how he is. And just because somebody's posting a heap of stuff on social media doesn't necessarily mean that they're having a great day. It's a, it's a platform you can hide behind. So you know, we all we've, we all know of those people in our circle that you know from time to time do struggle. Um, and yeah, absolutely. Pick up the phone. Just say good day. Just let them know because you won't see. You might not see them. You know, one of the things that I've loved about the motocross family for twenty three years is when the season starts every three, every couple of weeks or every three weeks, you're like catch it up with with your mates. You know, I see so many riders who live in different states and they have their funny handshakes and the and the, and the stuff that they do when they catch up with each other. They're not going to be able to do that. But we've all got a mobile phone now. Pick the phone up and give somebody a ring. Have, give them 10 minutes of your time. If you're sitting there bored, give them 10 minutes of your time. 
make a f- couple of phone calls. All of our phone plans are pretty damn good. So have a chat, be available and be supportive. You know, and, you know, it's a great opportunity also. A lot of local clubs can still, at this stage, run club days. So, you know, as pros, um, and I say this to all the riders that ride nationals, a lot of the time we get so hell-bent up on our practice and our training, we forget where we came from in the sport. Joe, you came through minibikes. I rode a minibike in the 70s. You know, Yareev came through in the 80s. We've all been, you know, in clubland. Clubland struggled a lot over the last few years. Here's a chance. Only 100 people will be at the track. Go and give some time back to your club. Give some time to helping some of those younger people come through. Make the experience that you had as a kid live now. Sometimes we move to the big stage and we forget about that. I think it's a great opportunity for us to go back to that, go back to what the grassroots was because grassroots can still operate. They can run, even if they cap it at 200. Most club days are lucky to have 100. Get out there, volunteer your time at the track, go to the track and be a part of, so, uh, of the new model of sport that we've got and be a part of what was your passion. Find your passion because everyone's passion started at a club day. Would you agree with that, Yaruth? 100%. So we, 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 we grew as a community through our clubs and then we got to know everyone through a two-day open. And then that obviously some people aspired to go national and some people remain within their state. It makes no difference. We just all enjoy riding dirt bikes. I want to mention, if I may, Kevin and I butted heads because I was young, naive and very reactive. But the respect we have for one another, I believe, is is second to none in this industry, if I'm completely honest. And the admiration that I believe we both have for one another now helps drive us both forward. So whilst we butted heads when I was young and let's just say a little bit dumb, I think right now that the way we are working hopefully will, will have benefit for the sport. Would you agree, Kev? Yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, you're even, if the pubs weren't closed, I'd shout you for a beer, but we'll have to let that one go. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, we are. And I think I think everyone needs to adopt that. I think, you know, I, you know, and and I don't have a problem with, you know, there's been plenty of people over the years that, um, you know, Kevin Williams has been on their shit list or they've been on mine, you know, and, and that's because of our passion. If we didn't have that passion and our belief in what we were doing, we would have nothing. You know, and as a team owner and a rider, they've got to fight every time for the best result they can get for their team and rider. As a as an official or a promoter, you've got a set of rules. Craig Dack put it best to me one day many years ago. He said, as a team owner and manager, my job is to find how much elastic you guys will allow in the rules. Pretty fair way to put it. Don't you never go over the mark, but you've got to know how far you can go. And I think, you know, over the years you get different measures. And sorry, most sorry, of the people sorry. who will say, you know, that they've had a bad experience with myself or with your Eve, probably when we've said no to them. And most did, did of the time say, I worked only worked it out ten years ago was people will get upset with me because I might say no. But I they're asking from their point of view, I'm giving an answer for mine. It's not that they hate me as an individual. I said no. Yeah. On that day, I was stepping on their dream. We're all just got to work together and we'll have a great result moving forward. Did, did, did you say you can't step over the mark or on the mark? Was that relating to mark or a mark? <laughs> the mark. <laughs> there's, no, there's, no, there's no marks. You read the football's been uh, stopped. <laughs> Look, I think right now, I mean, we could keep talking. I think that several things that are extremely important right now is that the industry does come together. 
Um, it's something that should have happened a long time ago. And I've got no problems in saying that out loud. We really need to come together now for the betterment of the sport. And we need, um, we need accurate and agile leadership from Motorcycling Australia. We need their support and they need to help stimulate interest within the support post the coronavirus. And um, hopefully together we can come out swinging. It will be different, but at the end of the day, as I've always said, no matter no matter how sweet the bells and whistles are, the thing that attracts us to racing is the unpredictability of the end result. People are still going to want to come to the track to watch competition. We love and thrive competition, including the competition between me and other teams. And that's what's going to keep pushing us to go to the track and either watch as spectators or race as competitors. That's not going to change. So hopefully we're back on track sooner than later. As the old saying goes, when the green flag drops, the bullshit stops. It's about racing. It's about getting back to the track. Um, Joe, thank you so much for the opportunity. To all the people out there that are listening and uh, when you're talking to your mates, remember one thing. We get to play in one of the greatest sports around. We get to enjoy and meet friends for life in this sport. That's not going to change. It's just we're just taking a bit of a, a, a break from that at the moment to, uh, to work in community and to work in what we need to. Stay civil, stay friendly, keep smiling, and we'll see you at a racetrack as soon as we possibly can. That's what I've got to finish with. No, I think we uh, we should try and get this on the mainstream media, mainstream news coverage, because um, I think how you guys are approaching the message of, of where things are at culturally uh, within the sport and, and the greater picture, um, you know, I think a lot of people could learn from, from that as far as not putting the negative spin on it. We all got to come together regardless of sport or, you know, um, whether it's culturally or, or society, whatever you want to call it. But um like you said, Drew, we could talk about this all day. You guys have given me 50 minutes of your time on what I'm sure is a very busy period of, um, of doing what you guys do. So I appreciate it. And um, once again, guys, thanks for tuning in uh, to this special edition episode of um, what would have been the opening uh, MX Nationals um, podcast of the season from our new studio live stream setup. We actually had uh, Kevin coming in. Uh, Yuri was going to come in in person as well. Um, we had a lot of stuff planned that has completely shifted, but I'm glad we got it out. So, guys, thanks for listening. I know everyone that is listening at home right now has probably got a, somewhat a lot more time on their hands. So, um, this is free entertainment. All I ask is that you share it with your friends, get it out there because there's a lot of positive messages in here, and and I think everyone's going to learn a thing or two by listening to this one. So that is really my aim and my goal with this podcast is to keep people educated and entertained at the same time. And um, with that being said, um, Kevin Williams from uh, Williams Event Management, promoters of the MX Nationals, and Yuri Konski, um, owner of the uh, Penrite Factory Honda Racing Team. Thanks, guys, for coming on. Appreciate you taking the time out. And um, I'd say I'll, I'll see you guys soon. Might not, but we'll definitely speak soon. Cheers. We'll bump into one another, Joe. No doubt. We always seem to. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks, mate. Thanks, guys.